0: The following program is presented by the HTM Podcast Network.
1: Promotional consideration paid for by the following.
0: StevieRichardsFitness.com. Join the SRF resistance today. RussoBrand.com. Get the real shoot from the most controversial personality in wrestling, Vince Russo. ratsaladreview.com discusses the latest metal and hard rock albums as well as some trips down memory lane. That's RatSaladreview.com, The Voices of Misery podcast. Support independent media and subscribe at voicesofmisery.podbean.com and follow them on Twitter at Voices of Misery.
1: Isn't it funny how whenever somebody wins a world championship, there's always a standing ovation, champagne, roses, flowers, yet I got a whole backstage area filled with mutes. Nobody can believe that Chris Jericho is the first AEW champion. Pure silence! There's no thank you for Chris Jericho. There's no round of applause for Chris Jericho. But that's okay, cuz I got my own thank you, cuz I'm the first AEW champion. Oh, you see that, Bucks? Chris Jericho, the first champ. How apropos, isn't it? Great, great match, Chris. Yeah, thanks. That's all you're gonna say? Congrats, man. Yeah, no thank you from the young Bucks? Man,
2: is that what you really want? You just wanna thank you? You just won the title.
1: You know what? You know what? Even if you did thank me, I wouldn't even accept it, okay? Congratulations. On having Chris Jericho as the new AEW champion. The pleasure is all yours, Bucky Boys. This is your United States.
2: September 2nd, 2019, and you are tuned into the anniversary simulcast of the Hitting the Marks Pro Wrestling Podcast powered by the Roar Network at thegorillaposition.com. Presented <laughs> as your Monday locker room from Hami Media. To the
1: harness-
2: in association with Last Word on ProWrestling.com. On this week's show, we're going all out, taking a trip to the UK, some New Japan, and of course, your Raw and SmackDown previews. But before we dive in, it's my obligation to remind you, this is a podcast by the fans for the fans, bringing you all the news that is news from across professional wrestling world. Find the entire HTM Podcast Network online, hittingthemarks.com, as well as Hameen Media, HackerHameen.podbeam.com. My name is Jargo. I'll be your host for the day. That's my tag team partner. He's the man, the myth, the legend, the real... RBV Rick. Happy anniversary.
3: It's me, it's me. It's that honor the beat of the B. Rick Vickery. And yes, as you said, celebrating two years together, looking forward to a, a big third, the big number three coming up. But hey, this is this is such a momentous show. So much going on this past because we had to bring them together for one super show, hitting the market pro wrestling podcast, and of course where we made our name right here inside the Monday locker room. Drago put together a hell of a run, and I'm looking forward to, uh, to reliving this past weekend with you.
2: It's been an absolutely insane weekend. Rick, did you get to watch all of these shows?
3: I, I was able to take everything in. Uh, either you and I, you know, we're usually back and forth during every show, but it was so busy, so much going on. Uh, you had so much record time much notes to be taken we didn't get to kind of go back and forth as we usually do so for a lot of this for all of these major events this could be the first time we've really got a chance to talk about them
2: yeah my myself and the Andrew Bellow we got together and we did the hitting the uh, tea and crumpets for your uh, takeover Cardiff review as well as uh, myself and Matthew Schaffer Gage got together for AEW Saturday night to cover all out um, Rick of course we had New Japan in there as well this was an insane week for professional wrestling, and the WWE is such a minuscule footnote at the bottom of this run. Three years ago, when we started this thing, did you ever even think that
3: was a logical possibility? Well, you know, going back, I actually uh, it was you know reflecting about everything that we've been able to accomplish and where we were and the road that we had traveled to, you know, where we are now, I, I went back and I listened to quite a bit of some of the old material. You go know to those early days, they were heavily dominated uh, just, you know, by WWE talk. And, you know, there really wasn't so much going on. And it, it really, you know, brought into the light how much professional wrestling has changed just in the two years that we've been podcasting together. You know, now we're to a point, you know, on any given show, you know, the WWE, it seems to be down the list, you know, more and more each and every episode as, as these other promotions are growing and talents are emerging and we're kind of broadening our horizons and, you know, kind of filling up the plate with some, with some different, uh, you know, eats, if you will, there. Uh, but it, it's, it's pretty remarkable. Uh, and I know this, you know, this past weekend is a perfect example of that. Before we jump into that, I got to give a major shout out. Uh, he's doing an incredible job keeping everyone updated on the latest news across Across the board, everything that was happening, and that's, of course, William Althea, he was all over the place with, you know, tremendous breaking news and alerts and updates. Uh, I mean, the guy was absolutely busting his ass. Uh, You know, outside of yourself, Jargo, he might have been, you know, the hardest working man in the business this weekend.
2: Well, I was just watching it, man. He was actually reporting on it as uh, he was going uh, which is just astonishing. You can get Will's updates inside the Hami Media Discussion Group over there on Facebook as well, over at LastWordOnProWrestling.com. I mean, those guys had everything covered this weekend.
3: Yeah, I mean, they were, they were all over the place. It, it was remarkable. Anything that you needed to be in with, uh, those guys were on top of it.
2: Also, a shout-out to the guerrillaposition.com. I saw Ryan was pumping out a whole bunch of content this week, and then... For some reason, he took time off to watch some college football. Huckleberry, did you get to watch any college football this weekend?
3: I was able to, you know, because you were recording. I was using that as my college football time. Yeah,
2: I did. I had no time for college football this week. Hey, uh, how did how did Miami, Ohio, how did Miami of Ohio fare at uh, Kinnick Stadium? I haven't seen the score yet.
3: You know, you know what? I was going to save that for hashtag Htm Sports. Uh, you know apparently, you got these, these young, bright kids from Miami of Ohio, our, our future great leaders from the great state of the OHIO here, uh, one of our higher education systems that we have. Uh, and then these, these bullies, uh, these, these ruffians, these rednecks, if you will, from Iowa. Uh, just coming over and just manhandling them.
2: Yeah, just just kind of whipped their ass, didn't they? We uh, we also had a big clash here inside the state. You and I giving Iowa State all that they could handle out at Jack Trice Stadium. What games were you watching this weekend, Huckleberry? What was, uh what was the uh, Yano State University up to this weekend?
3: Well, you know, they, uh, they handily won. They had Florida Atlantic. Uh, they came out with very strong, scored on their first four scores. And then it, and it kind of pulled off the dogs. You know, it was... They show a little bit of mercy to little guys. And you didn't see that across the board. Uh, You know, another big one that jumped out to us because I kind of thought it was funny going in, uh, in the Duke was having this big campaign. You know, we can, we can silence everyone. If we can go out there and shock the world against, against Alabama and ended up being like 45 to three. Hey, it was, that was much closer than I thought it would be. So it didn't really silence anybody. I I guess. Well, you got the two big ones here and you'd mentioned Ryan K uh but I went over to He and I were having a little bit of fun in a in a discussion thread, putting over Florida State for their first half and how we were we were just kind of joking. Hey, they're gonna win the national championship, and then they they go down and get uh, they pull 180 and just get embarrassed in the second half, lose their game. I think I knew another big one is uh, we had Oregon losing. Uh, that was that was not so much of a surprise, but you know, pretty much a, a big the season's over there in Oregon and tennessee absolutely getting shocked uh they had hopes of you know to eventually moving into the top 25 and all that that seems that, that that's all out the window now as well but everything else pretty much you know pretty much went par for the course it, it had the big the big dogs versus the uh you know the the mid-majors and they play out as they usually do next week though on the slate looking forward to this one it's a it's a big battle you're talking about the big battle there in the the state of iowa well we've got one that's very personal to me here in Ohio. You've got the university, the Ohio State University, taking on the Cincinnati Bearcats.
2: OSU over strong.
3: Over strong. Hey, the Bearcats.
2: Bearcats took, you know, took care of UCLA. Well, that, 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 that actually is an impressive win for Cincinnati. I wouldn't have called that one on paper.
3: Well, it's actually the second year they've done it. They did it last year as well. They actually went into UCLA last year took care of business but this year they, they had the home field and, and they held on again to win.
2: If you enjoy this sports talk, you can find a half hour of this bullshit on HDM Sports tomorrow. It can be recorded uh 4:30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Um Huckleberry, let's talk a little bit about All Out. Uh that seems to be kind of the buzz of the professional wrestling world right now. Before we jump too far into the show itself, what were kind of your overall thoughts on it? The production, the commentary team, the look of the show. What what did you think of All Out?
3: Well, you know, looking at it now and going and what I've been able to read and see some feedback from others, you know, to kind of gather the, the general opinion, uh, it, it seems, you know, a lot of people were kind of down on this show. And maybe because, you know, a year ago as we were there and the excitement level that was involved with with All In and even going, in, it seemed like that had faded a little bit because this was a much different story than last year. It was you know, against the world, can they actually do this thing? the excitement to to kind of you know rock the ship a little bit, in professional wrestling, fuck you know, fuck the norm with with what we get with WWE. Uh, but this was a much different story. this is this was truly about establishing, what all elite wrestling is going to be about. I know they've had the other shows the double or nothing, uh, the Jacksonville show, the, the, uh, the gaming convention, all that. Those were more of novelty. Uh, just trying to get, you know, get, get themselves grounded, figure out what they're doing. All out was very real about the promotion going into television, introducing talent, what we can expect. They were really setting, setting the table for us in, in many ways. With their undercard, I think it was a bit of a swing and a miss. Uh, but when you get to the meat and potatoes of this thing, I, I thought they delivered uh, delivered quite well in the ring. Uh, production-wise, things seem to you know go okay for me. We've seen improvements. Uh, we each they're not continuing to make the same mistakes, and that's a that's a very big positive. And overall, I, I feel good going into television for this promotion.
2: I'm, I'm kind of hit and miss with this show, um, and the biggest issue that I had with this show was it was just too damn long. Rick, there, there's no reason to be having these five-hour-long shows in 2019 when we can watch everything on demand. Anything over three hours is just too damn long. If you would have gave me six matches, if you would have gave me the Women's Battle Royal, Private Party, give me Kenny and pac Give me Cody and Spears. Give me the Lucha Bros. And give me the main event. That's all I needed. Everything else you could have cut from this show and people would be raving about this thing. They put too much filler crap inside of this show.
3: Well, And, and I do agree with you. When you get into any kind of wrestling show, when you go over that three-hour mark, you're, you're really pressing your luck. I mean, you've got to have something extremely special to go along with it. And, and I make the comparison to last year at All In that worked going over three hours because of the access they had to almost the unlimited star power. You know, that wasn't the case this year. You didn't have the, you know, those true working relationships with, with ring of honor, impact wrestling, new Japan. It, it, you were kind of, you know, you were playing with you, with your own, your own deck this year. And, and I understand why that they, they went to, you know, they went to, as long as you didn't, they added the matches that they had because th- that they really needed to introduce uh, continue to introduce a, a lot of these talents. Now, now perhaps I would have gone a different way about this, but I understand why they did it. You know, maybe they could have used this, you know, some of this filler time, cut some of these matches down, but really hyped that people need to be going to follow them on social media. You know, over the course of the next month so that they can learn about this, this complete roster, and, you know, put over how amazing it is and how diverse it is. And it's, it's like nothing you're going to see anywhere else on, on television, you know, put over the social media, you've got to be a part of this, but then you're running the, you know, you're running the risk of do people actually follow through with that? Can you get them hooked enough to go follow you on social media? Cause it's still, you can tell when you're listening to people talk if it's either in just random takes or if it's in discussion while the show's going on, There's not many individuals that are following the social media and getting those aspects and those stories behind these matches and these characters, uh, that, that, you know, kind of went to why we might enjoy things a little bit more than just say your average viewer. Now, with that said, you know, they're trying to get all these individuals in, maybe they should have waited for television for this thing. And Jargo also came to mind. Do you think with, with the way they're running this system, you know, this isn't, you know, a network. This isn't that, you know, where we've got this remodeling system where it's 999, you you get whatever here. Do you feel like they they had to deliver like that to that? You had to bang for your buck? No pun intended.
2: No, no. I I, I because now we have like the perfect comparison, right? Because before this we had takeover Cardiff six match card, really, really tight. And every match on the show was good. By comparison, you had all out. And as I'm just kind of scrolling through the card here, I'm I'm talking about I would have cut Riho versus Haruku Shida. We could have done that on the first week of TV and moved the championship match back by a week. I didn't need the Dark Order versus the best friends for a win and a bye into the first round of the AEW tag team tournament. I would have just had this as a tournament match on the first week of television. I didn't need Jimmy Havoc defeating Darby Allen and Joey Janela in the Cracker Barrel Clash, as much fun as it may have been. And I didn't need SCU versus the Jurassic Experience on this show. Just give me private parties versus the party poopers give me the 21 woman battle royal give me Cody and Sean Spears give me Omega and Pac give me the Lucha Bros and the Young Bucks and then give me your main event crowning the first champion those six matches were the best content on this show and if you take out all that filler this card matches up completely with Cardiff the reason the Cardiff show was better was because it was less less is more
3: and, you know, really to, to speak to the, uh, the NXT UK show, that brand, it, it, and I've been saying this for a while, it, you know, it's, it took a little bit for, you know, me to catch on with it, for it to grow on me. Uh, but it is absolutely, you know, arguably, you know, my favorite thing inside WWE. absolutely love what they're doing over there. love the presentation, the commentary, you know, how they handle the, you know, the characters, the, the storytelling, the overall booking of it. Absolutely, absolutely enjoy NXT UK. And you are correct, man, this... This takeover of theirs, they knocked it out of the park.
2: Yeah, I I completely agree. Let's uh, let's jump into the big stories coming out of All Out. Number one, of course, Chris Jericho defeats Hangman Page to become the very first AEW champion. And Rick, I I thought that this was kind of a, a foregone conclusion, that everybody was kind of on the same page, that Chris Jericho was the logical choice for this. But that is not the case. Social media has responded, and it seems like this was a very polarizing decision.
3: Uh, that I do not understand. I, I just wonder if they're looking at the big picture and establishing this thing and realizing, you know, you're getting stuff for television. You're trying to draw these eyes in it. And as we talk, just talked about, you know, how many of them are following on social media are really getting to know and learn Hangman Page. That, you know, you're getting a lot your sample group is the Internet. And we do have to remember it is such a small part of that general audience. So, you know, with Chris Jericho, it's going to bring more attention to your product. I still stand by
2: that 100%. Oh, I I completely agree with you. Um, and I think it, they're more so leaning towards Jericho shouldn't have even been in this match. And if Hangman wasn't ready for this match, then this shouldn't have been the match. Um, one of the the big people that's fueling this conversation is baron freaking corbin that's right constable fuckface has taken to instagram and caused quite a stir with his comments so for all the shit wwe gets for having older guys go over younger talent friendly reminder that the current aew world champ will be 49 in november now i like jericho but keep that same energy And then Baron Corbin chimes in and he says, all of these smarks have hated and complained about everything we do. Now they are forced to love everything these guys do, even when it's the exact same thing. It really shows how dumb they really are. Now, I've got two different takes on this thing, Rick. Number one. This is not applicable because Chris Jericho is having the best matches that he has had in the last 20 years, and I don't think that there's any question about that when you look at the matchup against Naito, when you look up the matches against Kenny Omega, even this match against Hangman Page, these are much better matches than what he was having inside the WWE. It's not like Jericho's out of shape. He went out there and he went 26 minutes with Hangman Page. They're putting Goldberg over Young Talent in three minutes.
3: Well, I think it's, at first when I read this take, when when I saw, you know, Corbin's, you know, what what he had to say about this thing, my my immediate thought was, oh, you you effing Mark Tard. And then I paused for a moment. and realized what was going on. It was like, oh, okay, Corbin, you you almost got me. You almost had me. Of course, Baron Corbin understands what this is. He understands what's going on. This is him getting some more heat on himself. Yep. That's exactly what it is. He's doing and attacking this hip new thing. That's what he does. That is his persona. So, you know, actually, bravo, Mr. Corbin.
2: This is is exactly what the Baron Corbin character would say, without
3: any question. Exactly. Exactly. And, you know, you look at his recent success. uh, You go to WrestleMania, what did he do? He put down a legend like that. Someone that, you know, that was there when Jericho was coming up, that they'd shared the spotlight. In WWE before. And, you know, in Kurt Angle, he put him down. That's what he is doing here. He is staying true to his persona. So, bravo there. Get that heat. Continue to get that heat, sir. Unfortunately, a lot of people still just don't give a shit.
2: Yeah, exactly. And it's people responding to Baron Corbin, it's just like, you guys, this is exactly what Baron Corbin would say. Whether he feels this way or not, this is what the character of Baron Corbin is would say. This This is absolutely great stuff. I have no complaints about this. So now the big question, though, is who is going to challenge Jericho on October 9th? Because, Rick, we it's already been announced that the AEW Championship is going to be defended on October 9th with Kenny Omega losing to Pac on this show. There, there's a pretty short list of people that I want to see challenged for the championship right now.
3: What got could, could we possibly maybe get someone outside of that top that top tier? Um, I mean, would it be that crazy to see one of these other younger talents maybe given an opportunity here?
2: You know, the, the name that I pulled out isn't necessarily a younger talent, but I think he's kind of perceived that way just because he hasn't had a national spotlight forever. I think it's going to be Scorpio Sky. Jericho said in his little post-match tirade, "Scorpio Sky, yeah, you're never getting a shot at this. I want to see Scorpio Sky versus Chris Jericho, and I think that would be a really good match. And Scorpio would open up some freaking eyeballs."
3: I didn't really think about that, but I did want to bring that up. It's, you know, we were talking about if you're following them, you know, through social media, whatever. Hey, make sure anyone out there that's listening right now, make sure you go to the All Elite Wrestling YouTube page. And check out the post game. Absolutely incredible stuff in there. And Jericho is on fire during this thing, which is uh, seemingly one man celebration uh, for the, the for the championship win. No one no one else is appreciative of what Chris Jericho is bringing to all elite wrestling, but the, the new champ he sure as hell is, and he is just lighting individuals up as he's making that uh that winner's walk, if you will, to. I guess what the celebration room that they had set up for, they were assuming maybe Hangman was going to claim that championship. They were ready to celebrate with their boy, but Jericho spoils that party. So he takes it on himself to, to be the one man party, the the one man rock show that he is. Uh, But yeah, he gives that shout out to Scorpio sky. I would absolutely love something like that to see those two go out there. And you're right. Scorpio sky. He's been around the block a few times. He is a tremendous talent. I mean, he, what is he in? Maybe 15, 20 years into this business?
2: Yeah, I mean, he's he's a vet of the business. It's just he's never had that big national exposure. I mean, he had Ring of Honor, but even that was a very brief
3: period when you look at his full career. Well, you know, talking about how long he's been in the business, I remember the first time that I got a, a taste of him it was going all the way back to Wrestling Society X yeah. and how long ago that was. Yeah. Uh, you know, he was a big part of that show. You know, to see him kind of get the spotlight, very early with AEW TV. I mean, I think that would be tremendous. And I, I think I'd like to see something different than what people are expecting. Or, or are they? Or do you think maybe the viewers are overly expecting one of those big names, and you have to deliver early?
2: I just I don't know who there. There's nobody necessarily primed for that spot right now, unless it's Cody. And if it's Cody, people are gonna freaking riot. I mean, I even saw it on. Twitter and on Facebook during all out, people were pissed that Cody won this match.
3: Yeah. And it, that made more sense, you know, cause they're, they're, they're not looking at the bigger picture. Of what's happening here. You know, this, that was part of the story in a feel good moment there. It, it's not about Cody trying to put himself over trying to be, you know, in that perceived triple H position. That's not a, what it is at all. It, it made sense there because you have that huge freaking pop that, that spot with R Anderson what are you gonna you to know, pass up on something like that and then and then even if you do you know you go through with arn you're gonna ruin it by having cody get defeated i mean people are buzzing about that arn anderson spot and that would be completely tarnished and cody not been able to follow through and win that match it just made perfect sense there i do agree cody shouldn't be put in that spot on you know for that, that championship opportunity on television The other name that kind of comes to my mind if he's cleared, but I I kind of want to stay away from former WWE guys, would be Moxley. Yeah,
2: and it feels like there's much more of a story going on between Moxley and Kenny Omega than there is anything between Moxley and Jericho or Moxley's pursuit of a title. And if wins and losses matter, Moxley hasn't even had a match in AEW yet.
3: Could could you go back and give Hangman another opportunity uh, and then get Pac involved?
2: I mean I guess you could. I mean we did see Hangman and PAC get involved in the post-media scrum as well with with PAC coming in and interrupting Hangman's press conference. That obviously is going to continue and I assume that that match happens at Full Gear November 9th in Baltimore.
3: Yeah, I mean I think that we're going to continue building towards that. That's going to be that's going to be a big marquee match for that event.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I'm looking forward to that match. That's a match that we got
3: robbed of at Double or Nothing. Yeah, I mean, I think, there's, I think it's, it's a good problem for, for AEW. There's a number of directions that can go in, and it's going to keep people guessing.
2: It's just so hard when they say that, you know, championship opportunities are going to be determined by win-loss record, and wins and losses are going to matter. And we have such a small sample size right now that, you know, Kenny Omega is 1-2. Cody has the best record. He's got to be, what, 3-0 and oh now? You know, there's just not a big sample size to be determining championship opportunities.
3: Well, and I think, you know, taking that into consideration, Drago. I mean, don't we give them a little bit of leeway early on, you know, to not hold so true to that?
2: Well, and that's what I'm thinking. Maybe they just say, okay, Jericho, you get to choose who it is that you want to face. And Jericho just picks somebody like Scorpio Sky thinking that this is going to be a cakewalk. It's going to be, you know, absolutely no problem. I can go out and I can beat Scorpio Sky in five freaking minutes. And then Scorpio goes out there and gives him all he can handle for 15.
3: Well, you know, and then we also could do, we could get a bigger surprise now. But so we could open up that show with, say, like a a contenders match or something. And then whoever wins gets to go on later that night into the main event.
2: Well, and we also have TV a week before. A week before is actually the debut. The championship is on the line week two.
3: Okay, so we could do something. We could do some business there to get a contender. Yeah. To get a challenger.
2: Yep, absolutely. It, they did. They set up a lot of business going forward out of this show that for some reason just seemed like it went over a lot of people's heads. People were like, there's no storyline involved here. And it's like, are you crazy? There's storyline all over this show.
3: Yeah, I can ch- I kept seeing that there, and that's what, you know, just makes me believe that people are not taking the time to to go find this on social media. Maybe they're just not aware that it's actually there. Well, and it's like, <clears throat> we want them to have stories,
2: but the TV starts in October, so how else are you going to get the stories if you don't follow it on social media? Like, it, you can't have it both ways. And it's kind of the same thing with Cody winning that match. They're like, why is Cody winning all of his matches? And then in the same breath, they're like, why is Omega losing all his matches? They're both executive vice presidents. I'm pretty sure the Young Bucks don't have a winning record at this point either.
3: That, I mean, they got to be flipped right around it. But she said it's a, it's such a small sample group because they've only had a handful of events under you know the true AEW banner.
2: But we we can't be like, well, why does Kenny Omega not have any wins? On one hand, when that's clearly the story, and then we have Cody who's sitting at you know three and zero. Well, why does he all all he does is win? And it's like you're holding these guys to a different standard, and I just, I don't understand it. They're they're the same person. They have the same title. It's crazy. It's, it's like we we have Cody in this Triple H role. And guess what, guys? So are the Young Bucks and Kenny. Like, it's not just the Cody show. And for some reason people seem to think it
3: is. Well, you know, he's he he is that one. He does have more of that that business presence about him, you know. And he's usually there at the forefront. You know, he's kind of leading the way. He's the most outspoken one. So of course, you know, he's gonna kinda have, you know, that that spotlight put on him.
2: And if that's the case, then is he not the right person to challenge Chris Jericho for the championship right now? If wins and losses matter, like he's the only guy that's on that level right now to me.
3: I I completely agree with you. And my objection to that has nothing to do with his position inside the company. I do think that they should try to stay away from those former WWE guys for for this first time out.
2: Yeah, I, it absolutely presents a whole string of problems. But as I'm looking at the booking, I'm looking at the stories being told. I mean, they've already started laying seeds for Jericho and Cody. That just seems like the logical program
3: going forward to me. I, I actually think with that match, that's what you should hold off for for that, that pay-per-view in Baltimore then. Yeah. You need some time to like really heat that story up on television. Because those two, when it comes to the storytelling, those guys will absolutely kill it.
2: And I think we're going to have about six weeks to to build that story. I think that Cody and Jericho could do a fantastic job. And the other thing is, Cody can take that loss, and it doesn't destroy him. I mean, I, I expect Jericho is going to hold this title for a while. So, you know, he goes through guys like Cody, and then he goes through somebody like Hangman. And by that time, you know, we're into, you know, January, February, and that's when you start the Omega program. I would agree. Let's talk about the Lucha Bros. Lucha Bros retain the AAA Tag Team Championships over the Young Bucks in one of the most insane ladder matches I have ever seen. Um, Rick, this match was stupid. There's no other way to describe this match other than stupid there, there were way too many risks taken in this match they were not safe in any way shape or form throughout this match it was stupid they were out there and they were stupid for our entertainment and I guess really all I can say is thankfully it sounds like everybody is all right
3: yeah it seems like everybody has survived I mean this was this was beyond you know what we usually describe as is a, a car crash yeah uh, it, I mean this it was, was stupid this was Armageddon
2: I I don't know how else to describe some of the spots that we saw inside of this match. It was stupid.
3: Absolutely agree with you. Hey, and this goes back to what we've been talking about for a while. We've had a recent string of ladder matches, and it was, you know, it's all about going out there and one-upping one another. And it was all, you know, the the standard, the bar was set going back to ladder wars. And, you know, each and every time that we've seen one of these things, it was, okay, you know, who's going to take it to the next level? Who's going to win this thing? Well, no shit. And these guys went out there and, and gave everything to take this thing to the next level. And it, it just, it became absurd for a match. Is it
2: overexposed at this point? Like the ladder match gimmick, is it just overexposed at this point? Like, I feel like if I didn't see another ladder match for a year and a half, I'm good with that.
3: Oh, I agree with you 100% there, it It feels like we're getting one like every six weeks from, yeah. you know, a different promotion in a major show.
2: Yeah. And it just, it doesn't mean nearly as much as it really should. Uh, Then we see the appearance of what I am calling the Dead Presidents. Rick, what do you think of that name for the artist formerly known as LAX? Dead
3: yeah, presidents. Uh, I think you grow on me there. Yeah, I kind of like
2: that. Yeah, I mean, I I, I dig the masks, them, them coming out in the dead president masks. And then, of course, you know, when you're talking about dead presidents, you're talking about counting money, which I, I think they could absolutely make that gimmick work for them. So now we know LAX is in AEW and immediately... I don't want to hear any more talk, any more debate over who has the better tag team division. The answer is
3: AEW. Oh, hands down. I don't I don't know who could even present an argument against against that statement.
2: Oh, I've seen arguments about that statement.
3: Yeah, you well you see arguments about anything, but do they make sense? Or are they just coming from nonsense mark tarps?
2: <laughs> Shout out to Jimmy T. <laughs> Um, and I'm also good with the young bucks and the Lucha Bros, Rick. This is the sixth time that we have seen this this year. I I don't need to see this match again for a very long time.
3: I really wish they would have kind of built this thing around is okay. This is it for this chapter. Who is going to claim this victory? Because these guys have been they've been raging war around the globe for a while now. And it you say how many times? Say six. Six times this year. And that's just in, in standard tag team action, correct? It's not like all the six-mans and stuff that we see?
2: I'm, I'm not sure. That's a stat that they gave out on the show. I'm not sure.
3: Okay. Okay. So um, because that feels like a lot more to six than me. I feel like, you know, we're talking about ladder matches. I feel like I see this match every week somewhere.
2: Yeah, I mean, because we've seen this match a couple of times in AAA
3: and now in, inside yeah. AEW so
2: two or three times. You talk so.
3: about you talk about overexposure, but you know what? It, it, is, it has been fun. I mean, this has got to be, you know, one of the feuds of the year candidates. I mean, not not maybe it is, you know, right up there for feud of the year. I I wish we would have gotten where we would feel feel nice and a little warm, knowing that they're gonna they're gonna wrap this thing up for a little bit.
2: I'm afraid they're not, though. I'm afraid that what they're gonna do is a triple threat. Is end up taking this thing right into their own division? Well, because I mean, because. With, with, with the dead presidents come out, right, and they, they attack the Young Bucks, but they also took out the Lucha Bros. So, like, I'm just terrified that this thing ends up a triple threat. And I don't necessarily want to see that at this point either. I would re- much rather just have, like, and I mean, not like we haven't seen LAX versus the Lucha Bros a million times thanks to Impact Wrestling in the last year,
3: you know? Right. Uh, and that's a problem with the Lucha Bros, you know, because they've been working everywhere. And the, I mean, you know, tremendous for them. I mean, they are absolute workhorses, but the overexposure, you know, between, you know, just for even television outside of the Indies that they're, that they're on every weekend. But hell, I mean, we've seen them in MLW, Impact Wrestling. We've got them now in AEW. I mean, these guys are everywhere. And it's, that's great that they're getting the work that there's the demand for them. But you get to a point where, you know, only, you can only take so much before you just start to become numb to the style and their matches where you're not, you're not actually being loud anymore by what they got going on. And then you get to the point where you even kind of tune them out a little bit because you've seen the same act over and over. I think they got to get the Lucha Bros away from both of these teams for a little bit. Let them worry about something else. Get something else going. This tag team division is deep. There are other teams that they can get into programs with. And, of course, you got the bigger dynamic is the tournament. What's going to happen there? You had mentioned, Jargo, about LAX attacking both teams. It doesn't necessarily have to, you know, have to transition into a triple threat because we did see that with Moxley. I mean, he attacked Jericho and Omega, and then the focus just became Omega. But it left, you know, it planted the seeds for issues with Jericho down the road.
2: Valid, valid. Uh, Right now, who are you leaning towards to win the AEW Tag Team Championships?
3: You, You know, at this point, I think the team that's gonna probably gain the most from it and will help the division is I would absolutely go with LAS. And I say that going back, I want to reference a conversation that you had with MSG uh during the review is it seems, you know, as as great as the talents they are and people in the know recognize or you know over the top about them joining AEW, the general recognition doesn't seem to be there for LAX because they were only under that impact umbrella. And if you you know jokingly comment, what are they gonna bring those those faithful seven thousand viewers with them? Yeah, I mean and that's
2: no disrespect to anybody. It's just nobody's watching Impact right now. Yeah, LAX was the top of the impact food chain, but you're the top of the food chain
3: that nobody's eaten. Well yeah, it's Impact Wrestling is putting on a tremendous product right now. Great programming all around. They've got some great things going on. And as you said, it's not an insult, it's not an attack on anyone. It's numbers. Those are facts. They don't have the viewers. They don't have the exposure right now. And as talented as a team as LAXR, I think they need something like that. If you can have them representing this brand new company that's going to be reaching, you know, these hundreds of thousands, and you got this prize spot on TNT. I think it's going to be something kind of different to that general audience, and it's really going to elevate them and kind of you know put them a little ahead of this this war that we've seen, where we assume that this thing is going to have to be carried by the Bucks and the Broads.
2: Yep, I like it. Dead presidents for AEW tag champs. Uh, Cody defeats Sean Spears. We talked a little bit about it there uh, earlier. What did you think of MJF as Cody's second?
3: Uh, Again, everything he touches is gold, man. Everything. And again, we're talking, you know, everything that Cody's been involved in here, it's heavily driven by storyline. And you have to pay attention to every little detail because everything is moving something forward. And that's something that I don't get, you know, what Cody's catching some of this heat, you know, why is he winning? Why is he in these spots? Because he is so good at what he is doing. And this is in his blood, it's in his DNA. This is what his father did. They get you invested. You're on the edge of your seat because of the storytelling. And now in this match itself, you know, you're focused on what's going on with him and Dillinger, but there's other things unfolding. And the more, I guess, uh, dedicated towards Cody and loyal that MJF is, man, you get more involved in it, you get more involved in that, and you're intrigued to see how this thing's going to unfold. I mean, can this thing coexist? Or eventually, are we going to get some kind of jealousy, you know, going on? Are we going to get, you know, the Caesar and the Brutus, you know, deal?
2: As you look up and down this card, the only explanation that I have for Cody winning this match is this was a heels over strong card. I mean, when when you look at it, the babyfaces, didn't win any of these matches unless you want to call the Lucha Bros. You know SCU is SCU really a babyface? This is the worst town they've ever been in. You know, like well. And it, it, and you look, at, you look at the
3: matchups. You know, I mean, they're taking on these lovable characters with SCU, you know? Right. You got Marco stuff, the ultimate underdog. You, you've got, you know, the fun, you know, what me and you have gravitated towards. We absolutely love Luchasaurus and Jungle Boy together. I mean, those guys are supposed to be the fun, endearing trio, right? And SCU's out there insulting the crowd. They're doing their thing, even though they're getting the pop. We saw it last year in Chicago. I mean, everywhere. SCU was over, like. Gangbusters!
2: Yeah, it was ridiculous how over SCU was in Chicago last year.
3: But you know, getting back to the Cody thing, I think you know Cody going over here, and it looks like it's from multiple you know multiple angles. You don't want to taint that that Arn Anderson spot. You don't. You don't want to ruin that.
2: Well, I, that's the thing, right? Is Sean Spears has an out. He was hit by the best spine buster in the history of the business and double A Arn Anderson.
3: In in a loss. Spears doesn't need, sorry that I called him Ty Dillinger. Before. <laughs> Spears doesn't, didn't need this win. That's an insult to him. We don't want to insult people He's a tremendous talent. Spears didn't need this win. In a, in a strange way, taking a loss like this is going to fuel that hate and that desire to go after Cody and to dominate this promotion even more. This makes him a much more dangerous man than he even was before.
2: Yeah, I, I think they can absolutely keep this feud going.
3: And, it, and all around, even with Tully, to have Arn. I mean, Tully was always the third of that group. You know, it was always Rick, Arn, and then him. And if those two were a tag team together and he had to sit in the shadows of Arn Anderson, man, this has really got to sting. This is going to drive the hate in both of them. I think they get more out of this loss. Pac defeats Kenny
2: Omega via referee stoppage. Um, Rick, I I had this at probably about three and a half stars, and I feel like it's a disappointment because people had this match built up in their minds that this was going to be the match of the year, and it just wasn't. I mean, these guys had no story really going in. It was a 10-day build. It felt kind of sloppy at times. What did we expect? It was like people just expected these guys to go out and have a seven-star classic. And when it was a a three-and-a-half-star good match, people are disappointed by it.
3: Well, I think you know this is another case of people not really understanding what they're watching here. And like you said, they have a very short build. Is
2: this the first time that they've ever hooked up inside the ring? First time they've ever touched one another. First
3: time ever. Short notice. They're not really invested in this thing because he's a replacement. I think they went out there and did an incredible job for what, you know, considering the circumstances.
2: Now, my question to you, because you've been watching Kenny Omega now for a couple of years, and you know how good Kenny Omega is. We saw Kenny Omega screwing up spots inside of this match. Or was he? You think Kenny Omega did that on purpose? Because he's so focused on Moxley that he he was just he was he was trying to wrestle Moxley.
3: Well, I, I do I love that you mentioned Moxley, and it goes back to because we were so invested in that match. I mean, that was right up there. I, I would put that when you're talking about getting people emotionally invested in something, that was right up there with the, with the Cody and the Spears match. Would Would you agree?
2: Oh yeah, absolutely.
3: Okay, so so as great as we expected pocket omega to be or you know other people's expectation going through the roof here it, it still takes away a little bit because you were so ready for moxley and omega to just go out there in 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 a blood feud of sorts and just go out there and destroy each other it's not saying that there was anything wrong with what we got but we were expecting so much more so yeah that's going to take away from a little bit in I love what you just mentioned there. I didn't even consider that. You know, it's like when we really dive in and look at what's going on here is Kenny so good that he understood that.
2: Like is Kenny so good that he wrestled like shit on purpose? Like, did he go out of his way to make stuff look like he fucked it up because his mind's not there. Cause I could see him doing that. Well, and then, you know, that kind of lends to the finish. Yeah, it absolutely does. Like, I could see Kenny Omega thinking about this that deeply because it's Kenny Omega.
3: Well, look at how things change when when there's a shakeup in a roster or like in a game. Uh, look at like something you know kind of similar here. We're looking at the the Vegas odds to win a Super Bowl. In one week's time, did you see how everything changed with the announcement that Andrew Luck was out?
2: Yeah, the Colts went from like uh, six to one to 16 to one, I think it
3: was. Yeah. And so even inside like of a game like you' say you're getting ready for a big game like the Super Bowl and you're you have spent you know a week and a half you know in that preparation, getting ready for quarterback A and he's a pocket passer, he's one of the league's best, he's a pro bowler, and your defense has been ready for that, and something comes up, some, some freak accident comes up, and now they're bringing in their backup who's a scrambler, that throws you completely off your game plan. And you don't have time to regroup for that, right? So you're going to make mistakes. You're going to give openings to that run-first option. That's what happened here, man. I, I love that you brought that up. That is brilliant.
2: Kenny is just so crisp. I like this was he was off and I almost feel like because I went back and I rewatched this match and I'm like, is he doing that shit on purpose? Because like there, there's one of those like famous moves that he goes for that he jumps like, I don't know, six inches over Pac's head. And it's like there's no way that you accidentally over jump him by that much. And I got to thinking, did he do that on purpose just to make it? look bad
3: Uh, I think you're right man
2: is that why that was the second match on the show I mean because he knew it was going to be a disappointment it was by design a disappointment Uh, I
3: think you might be right
2: it's interesting uh other results from the show, Nyla Rose wins the 21-woman Battle Royal to qualify for the AEW Women's Championship match on October 2nd. Also inside of the Battle Royal, they set up B Priestley versus Britt Baker. That's the match that everybody wants to see inside of the AEW Women's division. Also had Allie going right after Brandy Rhodes. We get Mercedes Martinez. Huckleberry, I freaking called it! They listened to me. They were like, Jargo really likes Mercedes Martinez. Maybe we should bring her in. As soon as she came out, she was my fucking pick to win this thing.
3: So I was going with who I had called to win this thing. We had the discussion, you know, who should be put in this position, who should be given this opportunity to be the first AEW Women's Champion. And with, as, I guess, millennial thinking, we'll call it, uh, as AEW seems to be, uh, it's obvious, you know, that that's, they are targeting that audience. We saw that Friday night with the special and, and looking at the advertisers and all that, uh, that they would go with Nyla Rose. And I think that's ultimately where, where this thing is going to end is with Nyla as, as that champion.
2: Of course, we also saw Riho defeat Hikaru Shida and she will face off with Nyla Rose on October 2nd in the TNT debut for the AEW Women's Championship. It's the biggest girl on the full-time roster versus the smallest girl on the full-time roster. Uh, Rick, I called this one wrong too, because I thought for sure Hikaru Shida was going to win that match. Uh,
3: yeah, as it, as it was kind of going down, I, I thought that way as well, but uh, like it was real.
2: Private Party defeats the Party Poopers, Jack Hel- Jack Evans and Angelico. Uh, Rick, I, I read something interesting earlier. I think it was on Bleacher Report in their review of the show, said that after this match, Jack Evans and Angelico turned heel. Were they not heel to begin with? Because they are like the cockiest, most over-ego-driven tag team I think I've ever seen in my life. How, how did anybody think they were babyfaces before?
3: Uh, I, I think this is more of a case of Bleacher Report not doing their homework. Which report. Maybe you should go uh, over and make sure you're checking out the social media. <laughs>
2: I, thought, I thought that was crazy. Jack Evans is a baby face. Like, I, I can't even imagine Jack Evans as a baby face. Uh, SCU defeats the Jurassic Express experience. Um, it, a boy, a boy in his dinosaur. Rick, it, Luchasaurus is getting over huge and people keep asking me, well, why doesn't he just take off the mask? Did you hear those people? That's why he doesn't take off the mask.
3: Dude, it's such... The, the moment I saw this gimmick, going back a, a bit ways here, I absolutely fell in love with it. Uh, just, the, just the gimmick itself, the look I thought was so incredible. Such, you know, kind of a throwback of sorts. Like a, a, a truly a Lucha evolved, if you will. And then to see him get in there and actually go inside this ring. You want to talk about incredible talent. So much upside. I think at some point, you know, they're, they're going to have an absolute star on their hands with reach of source.
2: I, I still feel that way about jungle boy as well. I'm I'm still not into their little dog, Marco stunt though. That, that, that's where I draw the line.
3: Uh, Jimmy, it- I, I actually was watching with a, with a small group and had some people, you know, kind of, we are out and about going kind of out with the, you know listener of the show and a good friend of mine, Kevin mine. And we, we went to a, a a local bar and we were sitting there watching, had everything set up and people start, you know, go, oh, what are you guys watching Oh, that wrestling? Oh, that's something different. You know, and, and that was kind of cool too. People were asking questions. This isn't WWE. You know, they're asking what's going on and, you know, they were kind of into this thing and Marco stunt. It, it was almost, I kind of felt the same way. Not, not, not to the full extent, uh, but almost when I would be out and about watching the professional wrestling and new day would come out with their act. And, you know, people that were outside that were unfamiliar with it, you know, that maybe had forgotten how fun professional wrestling can be or, you know, the the different dynamics of it. It was a little embarrassing, the looks, you know, the the looks and like, wait a minute, if that's actually a a professional wrestler that actually signed this guy, he's actually going to compete. It it, kind of felt like that.
2: Then we have Jimmy Havoc defeats Darby Allen and Joey Janela in the second annual Cracker Barrel Clash. Um Rick, did you enjoy this match or did you hate this match?
3: Well, I took it for what it was. So it was okay. You know, I, I didn't get, like, overly invested in it. And like you said, it was a lot of fun. Uh, this is one of those matches that you were talking about where maybe they went a little overboard. I could have done without this thing. I feel like it, each and every one of these shows were getting, they're just kind of throwing together. Uh, it's, you know, on this mid card, it feels like a lot like how they, you know, promotions usually handle the women's divisions. Let's just throw a bunch of them together. I feel like we're getting these out of nowhere, triple threats on every show. Now, what I do want to see out of this match, and I know he he didn't pick up the win. Uh, I I want to see Joey Janela in a national campaign marketing campaign for Cracker Barrel. Uh, that's, that's why want to see this is like, I kind of becoming his match.
2: Yeah, yeah, he's, he's the uh, the veteran now of the Cracker Barrel Clash. The Dark Order defeat the best friends to win a bye in the first round of the AEW Tag Team Tournament. Dark Order is still just not clicking with me, which is unfortunate because I like both of those guys' talents.
3: Yeah, I think it's one of those things. We, we need to see some time, see some development there. Uh, I think, they're, you know, we were talking about something different for the Lucha Bros. I think that would be a tremendous little program. I think that would maybe help elevate them and, and, you know, get get them back on track, if you will.
2: Yeah, I could get behind that. Uh, so let's let's go ahead and let's talk a little bit about TakeOver Cardiff, and then we'll take a break, come back talk some New Japan and WWE. Um, TakeOver Cardiff. Um, Rick, like I said earlier, I thought this was just an insane show. I thought every match delivered on this show, top to bottom. Uh, but my biggest issue with this show is the goddamn WWE Network is just awful since this new update
3: see i didn't have any of those issues i wasn't watching through the network i actually had streamed this thing i'll go ahead and then, uh, admit my sins forgive me for i have sin wwe uh yeah I, I was watching through an outside stream i didn't have any issues with that uh i didn't have any lag or anything like that it, it, it ran fine for me but this this was hands down you know my favorite show of the weekend
2: I thought this was a really, really good show. Uh, Noam Dar defeats Travis Banks to kick things off. Uh, Rick, I, I told uh, Bello, this felt like your standard New Japan Junior Heavyweight start-off match to me.
3: Well, I, I thought it was a good starter. I, I could see you make that comparison now. I didn't think about time, but I thought it had good pacing. It got the crowd lit. They were popping for this thing, and it's... And as, in, you know, as we've come to expect from these takeovers, if it be with the original NXT or the UK, that first match is so important in setting up a, a pace for the evening. And these guys went out there and absolutely delivered.
2: Thank you, WCW Cruiserweights, for that life lesson. Uh, let's talk about Cesaro and Dragunov. Uh I really like this Dragonov kid. What did you think of seeing Cesaro inside of the NXT UK kind of atmosphere? And uh, can we do that with Cesaro all the time?
3: <laughs> uh, I, I agree with you, Jarko, man. Hey, I absolutely popped to see him a part of this show, understanding what it was. I mean, because this is the norm. You know, we get that familiar face. They, they feel they got to bring somebody over. But it was great to see Cesaro here, man. It, it, it's You it kind of got that vibe from him. That's what you want, like, on the regular, from the red and the blue. It was like a completely different Cesaro. Like you actually had faith. There was like this, this fresh life that had been breathed into him. You had faith in him there. You, you saw the greatness within him. And going out there, an incredible match. Yeah,
2: it, and it was the same thing with Finn Balor versus Jordan Devlin. It's like once you walk into an NXT UK takeover, they, they take the cuffs off. And they're like, okay, you can go do what it is that you want to do. And then when you come back, we're going to put the cuffs back on and send you back to Raw.
3: It's kind of like you, you get like that work release from prison or something like that. You get that one day pass. Yep. You go out there and, and and relive your old life. You know, see see your family and all that. You get that one day pass from prison, but then it's right back. It's it's right back to the hole.
2: I got heat with the Welsh people, man. I I got heat. I I, I don't like the people of Cardiff. Um, I I don't like their stupid chants, and I certainly do not like the new NXT UK tag team champions, Mark Andrews and Flash Morgan Webster, Cardiff's own, defeat Gallus and the Grizzled Young Veterans. This match was absolutely fantastic. I, I don't like triple threat tag team matches in any way, shape, or form, but this is one done right.
3: I think they, they did a tremendous job here. I mean, the pacing was great. And you didn't see that there wasn't like, it, it didn't turn so much into a mat you know, matches within a match. That we usually see inside the triple threat. They they kept you, they kept you interested. They kept moving. Uh, one of the spots that really jumped out here to me is the the suicide dive through the middle rope into a doomsday device onto yeah. the outside.
2: Suicide doomsday. That that was definitely probably my favorite spot of the weekend. That was just absolutely insane. There's also a uh, slingshot destroyer that uh, Flash Morgan Webster pulled off that just blew my freaking mind. Uh, then we had your what I assume anyway was your favorite match of the weekend, Huckleberry Joe Coffey defeats Dave Mastiff, last man standing, in probably the smartest finish to a last man standing match that just fell flat for that the the audience in attendance, like they didn't understand what happened. It looked great on TV. It was genius by Joe Coffey and the agent that laid this thing out. What did you think of the uh, last man standing match?
3: Well, I, you nailed know, it absolutely called it right there, Charco. This was the highlight for me. It, it, this is right. This is my style, man. This is two classic brutes just don't flat out like each other, going out there to throw down. Uh, can the better, you know, the better man emerge, last man standing. I, I think, that, you know, overall, though, there, there was a couple spots that, that seemed a little off on me. I know uh, one of the table spots there on the outside into the rail, it, it seemed a little weak, like maybe the timing was off there. Uh, but I, I'll forget those things. You know, I never pretend to be so you know the technical genius or anything. That's 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 not my MO. It's not why I'm. That's not why I'm talking this thing. I look at other things here. This was a match I could just sit back, I kicked my feet up, sipped my beer, and just absolutely enjoyed it.
2: Yeah, I, this was. If you enjoy two big dudes just beating the ever loving crap out of one another, this was definitely the match for you. And I I want to see Joe Coffee versus Walter. I really want to see that match. Uh, let's talk about the, uh, UK women's championship before we get to Walter. Let's talk about Kaylee Ray defeats Tony storm, a crying Tony storm. I, I made a comment on, uh, NXT and crumpets that they're turning her into Tanera Conti and I don't like it. Um, Rick, this one is probably one of the biggest surprises of the weekend. I don't know too many people that had Kaylee Ray beating Tony storm here.
3: This was a jaw dropper for him. I was absolutely shocked to see this outcome.
2: Yeah, kind of came out of nowhere, which makes you wonder what's next for Tony Storm. Are, are we going to keep this thing going, or was this a get ready to go stateside? We're sending you to NXT North America, like
3: because it, it just felt so abrupt. Well, I, I think out of nowhere, and to me, I didn't, I didn't think you know NXT North America wasn't an option to me. I think they realize that they are in serious trouble on the red and blue right now. Uh, you know, just the depth—it it isn't there. No one is invested in in many of these individuals. I mean, outside of you know, right now you've got to think that what's going on with Sasha and Becky—that's and about it.
2: You've got Sasha and Becky, and you got Sharshar and Bailey. That's that's the women's division right now.
3: Well, I understand I understand that, but on that flip side, I don't think people really give a shit about what's going on with Charlotte and Bailey right now, because they got it so confused. They got The roles are reversed here. Charlotte's off her game. You've mentioned this numerous times. If it's here in the locker room or over on the hitting watch pro wrestling podcast, she has been off for a while now. She absolutely can no longer cut a promo. She's been a little sloppy in the ring. It it seems like she's lost some focus there. Bailey people have just checked out on her. They absolutely have, you know, destroyed They've blown up that gold mine. People aren't invested, and if you get beyond that, once you get beyond these programs, what is that? What what do they have? You got to believe somebody. You know, if it's a Candice Ray or a Tony Storm, Vince McMahon is going to absolutely love that, and then they can actually wrestle. I mean, that's going to be the, the the breath of fresh life that they need. So desperately, so I got to think that maybe they're considering, you know, going in that in that direction.
2: You could put Tony Storm on Raw or SmackDown tonight or tomorrow, and she fits in immediately. She's that good. I, I don't necessarily understand what they're doing with her character over in the UK right now. Maybe a change of pace would be good for Tony Storm.
3: Well, and then the reason I didn't think NXT.
2: Oh, I, I, I was going to say the reason I mentioned NXT. Is just the the roster depth down there moving to two hours live on USA?
3: I still think that they've got the depth down there and they've got the talent where they can let that division run for a little bit. You know, this also comes down to like how soon are they going to make that move? I mean, you got to think she's going to get a rematch in the UK for television, right? So we've got a couple of weeks before she before a move is actually made. It's not like we're expecting to see her tonight or tomorrow anywhere. Uh, no, so maybe no. you know. So maybe when she goes to, you know, maybe the plan is that Baszler finally gets the move, you know, because of the TV and all that, and they want to they want to utilize her. So they're going to maybe move Storm to that NXT to, you know, maybe challenge. The reason I stayed away from it is because we've got a great program already at the top of that division, you know, going forward with Baszler and Ripley.
2: Yeah, no, that's true, and then we also have the sub program going on with Candice LeRae and Io Shirai, so. I guess those two programs are enough to at least to get into television. Um, Let's talk. Right. I was gonna say let's talk about Walter. Uh, Walter is still the WWE UK champion, uh, outlasting Tyler Bates, the big strong boy. Rick, this match went like forty minutes, forty freaking minutes, and it really only needed to go like maybe twenty twenty five.
3: Yeah, I agree with you. It it seemed like they could almost just cut this thing in half. It would have been just as effective.
2: It was good. Don't get me wrong. It was good. But it just I see.
3: I, I liked how they, they had Bates looking strong in this thing, even in defeat. But I, I think at times it was it went a little overboard.
2: Yeah, and and Bello brought up that it was a very New Japan style match, and I didn't feel that way at the time. And then I went back and rewatched all. 40 minutes of this match this was not a new japan match new japan matches have there's a structure to it it starts slow and it builds to this huge crescendo at the end this thing was up and down and up and this was an emotional roller coaster that you wanted to take a nap after 20 minutes and then went for another 20 minutes
3: yeah i mean this thing as you said it it was a roller coaster i wouldn't compare it to anything i really seen in new japan uh and it I think you're exactly right the way you laid it out there, Jargo. It's, you know, if you would have just shortened this thing, get about that 25-minute work, that's where you climax. That's what really sells it. I probably have a much higher opinion of this main event. Yeah,
2: I completely agree. Uh, so what's next for Tyler Bate? Bello seems to think that Tyler Bate may be joining his British strong-style cohort, Pete Dunne, over at NXT North America, because it sure did feel like a send-off. Has Walter finally rid... The UK of British strong style.
3: Wow! I mean, that's, you talk about something to, to kind of hang your hat on. Breaking rights there. I mean, that that's pretty impressive. Isn't it
2: Imperium is is not to be messed with, man. I like that faction. Very nice. Now the the big question is: so what's next for Walter? Because Rick, there's. When you look at the NXT UK babyface singles men's depth chart, it's it's pretty shallow right now. Uh, Tyler Bate, obviously, at the top there. Pete Dunne has moved on. Obviously, Jordan Devlin is still in the mix. Travis Banks is basically a loser at this point. And that's pretty much it.
3: Well, as, as you just say, you know, coffee.
2: Yeah, and, and, you know, there's a lot of people that seem to think that Joe Coffee is a heel. And, and Joe Coffee's not a heel. Joe Coffee's a good guy. He just wants to rule his kingdom the way that it's meant to be ruled. This is the same mistake that people make with Darth Vader. Darth Vader was the baby face.
3: Okay, yeah, you just had these uh, annoying little gnats that just were just, just messing with him. Yeah,
2: if, if people would just fall in line and quit screwing around and just let Joe Coffee rule NXT UK... I do like Gallus versus Imperium, though. Yeah, I, I like I like NXT UK being so down on their luck that they come to Joe Coffee and they say, "We need you to get rid of Walter," because he's really the only guy. Dave Mastiff obviously is another choice that matches up with Walter physically, but I Jordan Devlin. Walter looks like he could eat Jordan Devlin.
3: Yeah. And that's, that's the trick that, you know, they kind of got themselves in the corner when they went to Walter so, so soon.
2: Yeah.
3: Is, okay, you know, that was a great moment. You, you've got this this just, you know, just complete monster of a champion here. But where do you go with this? You know, and I guess, you know, you're going to try to line up as many people and, and push him as far as you can until you get that ultimate moment. You know, hey, you know, we were talking about someone you'd like to see uh, extended stay in NXT UK. I mean, how about a, a good little program with Cesaro?
2: Ooh, I would love to see Cesaro and Walter. I would love to see that matchup. And before anybody starts screaming at me about Trent Seven, Walter already beat that old man up. Like, come on. It's, let's be real about things. Trent Seven? No, not happening. So let's go ahead, let's throw things over to a word from our sponsors, and we will be right back on the other side. We'll talk a little bit about Royal Quest, get you your results. We also have some big New Japan announcements that were released this morning, and then of course your Raw and SmackDown preview. We'll catch you on the flip-flop.
1: Hey, are you tired of hearing the same old mainstream rock and roll and metal bands? Do you like the mainstream rock and roll and metal bands? Well, guess what? Rat Salad Review talks about both, so you're in luck. Join hosts Wayne Noon, Greg Noggle, and Uncle Saxon as they discuss the latest metal and hard rock albums as well as some trips down memory lane. Rat Salad Review also discusses the latest rock and roll and metal news, interviews, albums versus albums, contests, and whatever else is on their mind. Of course, with Uncle Saxon having the mic and a story to tell, you never know what's going to come out of his mouth. So check out RatsaladReview.com, search RatsaladReview on YouTube, Twitch, BitChute, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, and let's
0: get metal! Yo, I'm Fidel Hameen here. I just wanted to take a minute and give a shout-out to our boys on the independent media scene at Voices of Misery on Twitter. Give them a follow or check them out, voicesofmisery.podbean.com. They're doing the same thing we are, trying to build their platform overcome corporate media by putting out great content for all their listeners every week. So check them out. Again, Voices of Misery, uh, wherever you get all your uh, content. iTunes, I'm sure they're on uh, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you guys get it. Uh, listen because they're hooking us up all month long. All the content you hear at HackerHameen.Podbean.com is because they sponsored us this month. So do us a solid. Go back over there. Let's all support each other. We're going to overcome together this corporate media that is so bunk that none of us Want to listen to it anymore? So, you yo, law infidels, that's not a ask, that's a command. Hacker Hameen says you will follow at voices of misery, or else I'll put some misery in your life. Y'all yo, law, me clutch, ring the bell because the pain is so vital. He can lose by kind of story. All right, so we're back.
2: Shout out to ratsalad.com, voicesofmisery.podbean.com, our sponsors for the month of September. Appreciate you, gentlemen and nerdette. Um, Huckleberry. I, before we jump into Royal Quest and WWE this week, I wanted to talk to you a little bit about Starcast. Of course, we we were there last year for the original Starcast. Um, and did you get to watch any of this thing? Uh,
3: yeah, I was picking up bits and pieces here and there. I went back and caught some different things. Uh, obviously, I think the the, the show stealer is a uh, is Mr. Shivani, right? <laughs> You thought Shivani was the show stealer? Okay. No, I, no, I mean, uh, with, with everybody's kind of, uh, you know, hyped up about what we're hearing talking, maybe the surprise, the, the bit of fun from the event, if you will. But obviously, I mean, you're, the, the big story is, is the punk conversation, which I, I caught some of this thing. I know you were really into it. Uh, I checked out on it to, you know, make sure that I was, up to speed. I want to be there in real time with uh, NXT UK, but you followed through with it, didn't you?
2: Um, I, I followed through until the, the Q&A started. Um, I can always go back and watch the Q&A, but I, I was curious about the interview. I was curious what Punk was going to have to say. Um, and I think really the most important thing that came out of it was that Punk wouldn't not take a phone call from Vince McMahon and Triple H. That's got to be the quote that everybody is kind of buzzing about. Um, Rick, do you think that there's any chance that that phone call is going to take place? Because even in watching it, just the my initial feeling in it was that was Punk calling their bluff.
3: Well, I think, you know, again, Punk is very masterful in how he handles his business and how he presents himself. So, you know, if he has some kind of, you know, some insider there, you know, where WWE said, you know, they would work with anyone, they're open to different things. And they've always kind of painted, you know, this picture where the balls in punks court, well, he just kind of, you know, it's a volley back to them. Yeah. absolutely uh, So now it's, it's not like he's completely walked away. He would, you know, forever turn his back on that fan base would with inside the universe. Uh, he's put it out there. Hey, you know, I, I would be open for talks. You also got to believe too, you know, he, it, 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 like him or not, he's been a pretty, pretty wise businessman. And I mean, that's kind of obvious. And what we've seen that he was able to walk away and where you see so many people could potentially crash and burn. He's sustained a great life, you know, uh, he seems to be doing fine. You know, tremendous marriage. He's got to go out and explore some different options, chase some dreams. Uh, you know, especially with, with MMA and all that, you know, kind of being at the forefront of that, uh, he's been doing pretty well for himself but he's always looking to better position himself. And who, who is it in life? And when you see all this money being thrown around that they have to spend right now and how much they are relying on past stars to draw numbers, if you're someone like CM Punk, you want to cut it that high, don't you? You would think.
2: I mean, especially with the Saudi money going around. I mean, I think it's worth a phone call. You know, even if it's just for Punk to tell them to go fuck themselves,
3: you know? Well, no, even at that point, I mean, if you could come to some sort of deal with anything, to just go do one of those Saudi shows, I, I know they you know, they get so much heat for it, and mainly from you. Well, yeah, of course. I, I know, but realistically, if you're one of these talents, I mean, how, there's just no way in hell you turn down a payday like that. $2 million
2: for 15 minutes. That's what you get. That's going right for CM Punk. I also thought the uh, Cody and Tony Shavani interview was uh, really, really good. Very much enjoyed that. Um, let's let's talk about Royal Quest. Kind of run through some of these undercard matches here, get the results out of the way. Roppongi 3K defeat a couple of young Lions, Ren Narita and Shota Umino, as well as Taguchi. Juice Robinson and Kota Ibushi defeat Haikuleo and Yujiro Takahashi. Robbie Eagles and Will Ospreay pin the defending tag team champions of the junior division, El Fantasmo and Taisha Ishimori. We'll talk about that more here in just a couple minutes. Sonata and Naito defeat Chase Owens and Jay White. And then we get into the big matches, Huckleberry. G.O.D. defeat Aussie Open to retain the IWGP Tag Team Championships. I thought this match was really, really good, man. Aussie Open came out and certainly made a name for themselves inside of the New Japan world.
3: Yeah, this, this was one of the matches that that you were looking forward to going into this weekend. You knew this was going to be good. You wanted to see how the Aussies were presented here. Uh, I think actually, you know, absolutely they went out they have to be one of the groups that have emerged from this weekend is they got to be on everybody's radar. Uh, these guys are going to have a, a, a bright future and they're going to open a lot of eyes and a lot of people are going to be able you know, begin recognizing who they are.
2: And most importantly, they look like they belonged there, which is something that Robbie Eagle struggled with when he first got to New Japan Pro Wrestling. He just didn't look like he belonged in New Japan. These guys absolutely showed up. They, they showed up and showed out. Very impressed with Aussie Open. Uh, Kenta defeats Tomohiro Ishii to claim the Never open weight Championship, but that's not really the big story. The big story is Kenta rushed to the hospital after this match. Rick, I think it was pretty clear everybody knew that Kenta had a concussion during this match.
3: Uh, yeah. I mean, it, it, as soon as it happened. Uh, You kind of—it was kind of one of those cringe moments, like, "Oh, that's not good."
2: And it's one of those moments that makes me say, "Go home, go home right now." This match just kept going, and it was like he is clearly out on his feet.
3: Get this freaking match over with. And you know, this goes back to where some of these talents inside here—you know—it's be smart inside that ring. You're here. This this isn't a sprint. You know this. This is a long journey. We need you around. And if you got to cut something short, you know, it doesn't have to be deliver, deliver, deliver every single night. And unfortunately, you know, that's the mindset uh, that, that we're seeing with so many of them. And you're exactly right. It should have been at that very moment. Go through some sort of finish. Get this thing over with. You can come revisit it later. Once you make sure everything's cleared and okay.
2: Yeah, it, it, that was definitely bothersome. And this is exactly why this is exactly why. I have no desire to see Kasatori Shibata inside of a ring ever again, let alone against somebody like Kenta. You know, it's just adding to my point. I've been getting some shit for that over in the PW Hustle Group. Hiroshi Tanahashi defeats Zack Sabre Jr. to become the Rev Pro British Heavyweight Championship. This was designed to be a great moment for all of the New Japan fans. In the United Kingdom, there's only one problem: Zack Sabre Jr. is a freaking babyface in the UK, and it doesn't matter what his character is; he is going to be treated as such. Things did not work out very well for either Tanahashi or Okada against Suzuki goon If only somebody had seen that coming. Actually,
3: we've been talking about it for weeks now, haven't we? Yeah, this is going to be a complete different dynamic. We make you know the comparison to. You know pretty much there when uh when Cena you know either went into e c w or when he went into Chicago it was gonna be no matter how you presented it, no matter what picture you painted, they weren't gonna buy into it uh gun they they are absolutely beloved They're there because of all the time and work that they put in for this audience
2: now my problem with this is we know this. how in the fuck does the new Japan management not? That's a problem.
3: You know, just could could it have been one of those where they know it and just damn them. We're going to continue on with our narrative. I I
2: mean, I guess. But I mean, it was clear as day what was going to happen here. This was absolutely a pro suzuki Goon crowd. They were behind both Minoru Suzuki as well as Zack Sabre Jr. against Tanahashi and Okada. Joe Atherton got to see a tag match the night before that was Tanahashi and Okada against Sabre and Suzuki. And it was the same thing. Like they should have just known this is what was going to happen in both of these matches. And I felt bad for both Tanahashi and Okada because I mean, they're out there doing everything that they possibly can do. And the same thing with Saber and Suzuki. But I mean, at a certain point they just know better.
3: Well, it's one of those things too. I mean, this, this seems very WWE to me where you just go ahead with your, you go to the path that you have chosen and you worry about presenting it how you want later on in your editing.
2: It was kind of the same thing with Natty and Becky when they went up to Toronto, like they expected Natty to be the super over baby face just because they're in Toronto. No, it, they, they still like Becky Lynch
3: there. Right. Uh, it, it's one of those things. It's, it's almost, you wish they would embrace it, but you, you know, Hey, it's stubbornness by the company. You know, they, they want to stay their direction, continue their course Uh, And unfortunately, the ultimate loser in it is, you know, some of the talents there that they're not able to embrace it and and maybe, you know, fully, you know, work, you know, work the angle or work that style to, to really, to really take it to a new level.
2: I mean, it could have been worse. It could have been in Wales. I mean, because those people, God. Tanahashi defeats Zack Sabre Jr. to win the RevPro British Heavyweight Championship. It only makes sense that a Japanese man would beat an Englishman for the UK Heavyweight Championship. And then, Rick, on September 15th in Japan, we're going to have the rematch for the British Heavyweight Championship with the Japanese guy defending against the UK guy. All makes sense, right?
3: Uh, Is that
2: Steiner, math? I think so. I think so. Kazuchika Okada defeats Minoru Suzuki to retain the IWGP World Heavyweight Championship. I don't think there was any surprises here. I think everybody expected Okada to retain this championship. But these two guys, yeah, I I understand. There's a lot of people that are ranting and raving about Walter versus Tyler Bate. Don't sleep on Okada versus Suzuki because this was my match of the weekend.
3: Well, every time these two go out there, if it's in any kind of combination, especially when they're just straight up mano a mano, I mean, it's it's freaking incredible.
2: It's great, man. I, I Kazuchika Okada is the best wrestler in the world. I I, I love Kota Ibushi. I love Will Osprey. But goddamn, every time this guy goes out there and he just wrestles his opponent's match, like whatever you guys want to do, you know, like that's cool. I'll I'll just wrestle that style match. It's it's ridiculous how good Okada is.
3: All thanks to you, Mr. Russo.
2: Yeah. Damn it. I hate having to admit that, but damn it. Yeah. Props to you, Vince. Uh, so we had some big New Japan announcements this morning. Tanahashi is going to take on Zack Sabre Jr. on September 15th. Your a sub-main event on that show is Tomohiro Ishii and Yoshihashi challenging the Gorillas of Destiny for the IWGP Tag Team Championships. What the hell, man? Ishii and Yoshihashi? Hey, something new, right? I just, I can't even imagine those two guys liking one another, you know? I know they're both in chaos, but come on. Like, it just seems weird. September 16th, we're going to see Kota Ibushi versus Kenta with the Wrestle Kingdom contract on the line. Rick, I absolutely expect Ibushi to win this match, and assuming that Kenta is healthy, I assume he'll be ready to go for this match, but... This is going to be another one of those hold your breath kind of things, isn't it?
3: Uh absolutely. I, and I, as you said, you know, if he's if he's going to be ready to go, I hope that they that they go into this thing with extreme caution. Yeah. I mean, if there's any questions, you know, hold this thing off because, I mean, the, what we're going to get in this style? You're exactly right. Uh, it's it's it could be terrifying.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's it's not like Kota Ibushi's finishing move is a knee to your freaking skull, you know if <laughs> you have concussion symptoms, that that could be an issue. Will Ospreay and uh, Robbie Eagles going to take on El Phantasmo and Taisha Ishimori for the junior tag team titles. Told you this match was going to happen again. Um, this time the belt's on the line. Are we going to see Will two belts?
3: Oh, man. you think you know, they're going to try to you know start really letting him shine after uh, kind of getting disrespected by the PWI?
2: I'm I'm kind of confused by this booking, to be completely honest. I I I like the tag team of Will Osprey and Robbie Eagles. I I like ELP and Ishimori, but I, I don't understand why Osprey is chasing another junior title. Like it, it just doesn't make any sense to me.
3: Isn't that a necessity that they just really don't have anything going on there, and they they just want to use a focus well, at I mean, this point?
2: You have Kota Ibushi versus Kenta on the same show. Like, I wouldn't think that you would need Osprey on the show to in a tag match to help sell tickets, but hey, I mean, maybe I'm wrong. Uh, 922, you're going to have Tetsuya Naito versus Jay White for the IWGP Intercontinental Championship. Finally, Huckleberry, Jay White is positioned in the right place. Does he take down Tetsuya Naito to win the IWGP Intercontinental title?
3: And it's going to be very interesting. You know, we've talked for a while, you know, it it was out of necessity. We're talking about, you know, what, what was the need that Jay White kind of got slingshot it into that main event picture where we felt all along, you know, he was best suited at the intercontinental level, letting build some real heat, some real steam, you know, over the course of a year there, it seems like they've kind of set that reset there. Uh, So hot in the G ones coming so close there. And now kind of, you know, kind of sliding into a position that seems perfectly suited for him right now. And, and, it, and it really gets you excited about, about the character again. And it also kind
2: of, I, I would be surprised me. if he doesn't take it. It also kind of, why that? Because I've been watching Naito over the course of the G1, of course. And man, it really looks like those knees are bothering him. You know, like, I wonder if this match was scheduled for Wrestle Kingdom and they're moving it up because Naito's got to go get something done. Maybe Naito needs some time off because he is just not moving like the Tetsuya Naito that we know.
3: Well, could you potentially see? uh, Let's let's hurry up. Let's get him off the road. Let's get whatever done. He's got to go in and get, you know, whatever needs to be fixed under the hood, get that taken care of, and then hoping. That maybe you know, because then he just disappears. So you still have a champion if you make the switch, and then have him return and challenge
2: at Wrestle Kingdom. That's kind of what I'm thinking too. Be interesting to see how that match comes out, because I don't know, something just doesn't look right with Naito to me right now. Hiroki Goto is going to take on Shingo Takagi. So this kind of goes back to the Osprey Eagles thing. The guy who lost best of the Super Juniors has moved up to heavyweight. And as having a matchup with Hiroki Goto, the Roman Reigns of New Japan Pro Wrestling. And the guy who won it is still inside of the junior division chasing tag titles?
3: Like, doesn't that just seem weird? No, I think if you're looking, you you, you put a title on something, it's immediately you're going to draw attention. You know, it becomes a bigger deal, even if it is the junior tag. And I think the bigger name is as will. So I think you put him in that position.
2: This, of course, all leading up. This is the destruction tour. This all leading up to King of Pro Wrestling in October. We have our first match announcements for King of Pro. Kazuchika Okada defends the IWGP World Heavyweight Championship against Sonata, who got him inside of the G1. We'll see the return of John Moxley to New Japan Pro Wrestling, assuming that he is cleared, which everything sounds like he should be. He'll be taking on Juice Robinson for the IWGP United States Championship. And the aforementioned Will Ospreay defending the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Championship versus El Phantasmo. We could have Will Two Belts we could have Will Nobelts, because it would not surprise me to see them be unsuccessful challenging ELP and Ishimori for the junior titles, and it would not surprise me to see El Phantasmo take the junior title from Will Ospreay, although I hope it doesn't happen, because I want to see Hiromu Takahashi return and challenge Will Ospreay at Wrestle Kingdom, not Hiromu Takahashi versus El Phantasmo.
3: You yeah, know, I mean, we're talking about Will and going back and forth between the, uh, the juniors and the heavies. It, it, I would love to see, you know, especially with Wrestle Kingdom being two nights, I'd love to see him be involved in two matches there. That wouldn't surprise me. Yeah, and, 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 you know, maybe that goes back to why they're you know relying still so heavily on him inside of that junior division to set something up like that.
2: You know, well did New Japan Cup. He did the G1. He did Best of Super Juniors. He did the Super J Cup. I'm wondering if him and Robbie Eagles are gonna like try to do like the Junior Tag League together. And then if he finds himself like another tag team partner and goes and does World Tag League, like could Will Osprey be in legitimately every tournament in one calendar year inside of New Japan Pro Wrestling? Because I don't think that's ever been done before.
3: I don't see how it likely would have been done before. Uh, but how incredible would that be?
2: I mean, that's that's they're they're definitely putting stock in Osprey. I know a lot of people were unhappy with this G one run, but I think it's just a bigger story. Speaking of big tournaments, let's go ahead and throw it over to Monday Night Raw and your Monday Night Raw preview. That's right, Huckleberry. King of the Ring continues tonight on Monday Night Raw. It also continues tomorrow on SmackDown Live. We are down to the Elite Eight. Tonight on Monday Night Raw, we'll see King Ricochet. That's a spoiler. I'm I'm going with Ricochet. To take on Samoa Joe, we also get to see a beat-up Cedric Alexander tangle with Baron Corbin. So I'm going with Ricochet versus Corbin as my final on the Monday Night Raw side. Huckleberry, who you got?
3: I think you uh, yeah I, got, I have to agree, and I think anybody out there would have to agree with you uh, this thing is being set up perfectly here. It looks like you know ultimately you get that ricochet Corbin Corbin out there's just absolutely working it. If, if the heat's working or not, that's debatable, but you know he's given it his all and, and it's it's kind of just setting up for you know a great upset, upset on the raw side to go to the finals for ricochet.
2: On the SmackDown side, we have Elias going with Mustafa Ali, and we also have Shorty G, Chad Gable taking on Andrade Cien Almas. Um, I'm going with Ali and Cien, which I think is going to be a fantastic SmackDown final, even if the semifinals don't look very good.
3: Uh, Yeah, I think, you know, it's the anticipation to get to that final to. You know, young guns that, that people are very high on. Uh, it should be an exciting match. I think it's going to be interesting once we get to that SmackDown final to see what direction they go. And you know, we've heard for so long, you know, going back before WrestleMania, all these grand plans that they have for Ali. I mean, there was even talk, you know, for the Saudi audience that they were going to, you know, think about putting the championship on him. Uh, and it seems that those have kind of cooled off, but, you know, we continue to re you know, or continue to hear that they haven't given up on it. They're waiting for an opportunity. Uh, it would tie in perfectly to see him go to the finals. But when you look at how this thing would break down, do you want to go in there with, with two babies like that? Ricochet versus Ali. I think they're going to go in a traditional direction, which I believe is the, is the right call is that we're going to get ricochet and almost in the, uh, there's Andrade in the final.
2: I really like the matchup of Chad Gable versus CN. I just don't think they're going to give them time to go out there and put on the match that those two guys can put on. Like if that match was happening and like NXT UK or AEW or New Japan, I mean, I
3: would be pumped to see this matchup. Yeah. Or even, you know, if it was even if they were doing this tournament like. In the traditional style where this was at like a, a marquee event where we didn't have to, uh, you know, it's not going to be, it's probably going to go under 10 minutes and then it's probably going to have a commercial break in there. Yeah.
2: And it, it's just going to take you completely out of the match. And I know those two guys could go out there and have one hell yeah. of a bar. I
3: mean, Hopefully we're wrong here, but yeah, I, I just don't, I think they could go out there and kill it. I'm with you 100% on that Jargo. I just don't think that WWE is going to, to do them any favors here. Uh, it's going to be something they don't think people are going to be interested in. This is something we got to get onto a bigger picture. Let's hurry up and get through this thing.
2: I feel the same way about Ricochet and Samoa Joe. Like I, I think those two guys, if they were having that match in Ring of Honor, would be incredible. But I just, I don't trust WWE to let that match go more than six minutes and Ricochet rolls Samoa Joe up with a schoolboy.
3: You know? Well, I mean, could you imagine that if that was headlining like a takeover?
2: Yeah, it'd be a ridiculous match. You know, give them 20 minutes and let them go out there and tell a damn story. That's that's one of my biggest problems with WWE main roster television is they are so insistent on doing these short matches that it's like these guys can't even tell a story in six freaking minutes. It's like they're getting through the first act. Yeah. Just doesn't click. Uh, Ricochet and CN. That's that's my final as well that you said. That's what you're anticipating.
3: Uh, of course. Now when we get down to that, I, I don't know who you know actually is going to claim that. Uh, we've got you know, some, some of the cheeses there from both sides. Obviously, you've got you know the past gimmicks with King Ricochet. You've had almost Andrade, sorry, I'm still getting used to that. I still hate it. Uh, you've had him going to you still you have him going to social media where, you know, him and Charlotte are are together and he's already got his queen. So now he's going for his crown to become the king himself. Uh, So a lot of teasers, a lot of interest there.
2: I'm not sure which way I lean on that one either. Also tonight on Raw, they are saying that Banks is going to make a statement. Yeah, we're going to give Sasha Banks a live microphone again. Yeah, that's going to happen. Rick, is, is this Sasha Banks thing working for you?
3: Uh, it is a little bit. There was one thing I, I wanted to mention because I didn't get to talk to you about it since it, since it aired last week. Um, and I keep wondering that WWE allowed this to happen is when she goes out there and she's giving her explanation, everything, you know, why she she threw the temper tantrum and why she stormed out. Why, why do we still have a need? And you completely crap all over Alexa Bliss here pretty much and, and Nikki Cross she just trashes and destroys your whole women's tag division. Yeah. It's something she didn't care about. It's beneath her. It's not worth her time. She's seeing Charlotte and Becky in, in the main event and she's being wasted in this tag division. What the hell is that? Well,
2: that's, that's basically the tag division on the quote unquote main roster. Isn't it? I mean, let, let's look at the raw well, tag division. I understand
3: that. I, under, I understand, but she don't come out and say it.
2: This is absolute garbage. Well, I mean, WWE tells you that basically on a weekly basis. I mean, we, we've got a Raw tag team, and the Revival is going to be challenging the New Day at Night of Champions for the SmackDown Tag Team Championships. And we've got two teams that aren't even teams going at it on Monday Night Raw for for their championships. So, it's just tag
3: team wrestling. I mean, just it, there's a difference wrestling. with the subtle there's a difference to the subtle things and it, just, and it just goes back to the bigger thing. You know, like why people don't trust them or, you know, why they turned on Roman Reigns because you're in a, you're in a storyline telling us that you choose who you want. You're going to force whatever you want on us. And when we see through that and then it's like, okay, you really are doing that. You're doing that with Roman Reigns and that's why everyone's shit on him. I mean, now to come out and just absolutely say, I, I mean, it, it should have been the same. It's the equivalent of Sasha's going out and throwing those things in the trash.
2: Yeah. Yeah, those women's tag titles are just, that whole division's flat because it basically doesn't exist. Rey Mysterio is going to return to Monday Night Raw tonight. Supposedly, he's going to have a match, although we're not necessarily sure who it is going to be against. Rick, what are you making of this entire retirement storyline and Dominic and what's going on here? This is all leading to Dominic turning on Rey,
3: obviously. You know, this is one of those things that I'm, And it's funny because, you know, I'm a storyline guy. That's what I want. That's what I want to buy into. Everyone that's listening to us, that's listened to us over the last couple of years. I love bad reality television. Absolutely love it. It is my biggest guilty pleasure. And this screams of that to me, but I cannot get into this whatsoever. I feel it's like like this story in itself or, you know, what does my future hold? What am I doing? I feel like it's just being used too much right now. I feel like I'm seeing it in multiple places. You know, one person goes through it, and right now, it's, let's slide somebody else in and start this program over again. Yeah, no. And there's a lot going on in this thing, where it becomes a little bit confusing for the situation.
2: Well, and it's like, originally, Samoa Joe was involved. So it all kind of made sense, you know, that Dominic is going to go and join up with Samoa Joe, but Joe has long since moved on from Rey Mysterio. Like, I I just don't necessarily see where this is going because I don't feel like Dominic, even though I know he is trained, I I don't think that he's necessarily ready for Monday Night Raw against a legend and his father, Rey Mysterio.
3: Yeah, absolutely. It's hard to get any footage of him out there. I don't know if he's had an official match yet.
2: Yeah, I'm not sure if he has either.
3: And and you're going to put him into this kind of spotlight here, and I think you made, you made a really good point there, Gardner. Like we had some OHO Joe tied into this thing where maybe it was going to be, you know, something bigger. There was like a grand plan. And it seems like other things have taken, you know, that have come along that are more of importance to creative and management where this thing has been pushed to a back burner. So in your storytelling, we see that as the viewer and we begin to lose interest in it. Yep,
2: completely agreed. One thing I don't have any interest in is Monday Night Brawlins. Yeah, that's that's actually what WWE is calling the tag team of Seth Rollins and Braun Strowman. Monday Night Brawlins. Um, I, I, I much prefer the team that they are going to be going up against, which I have affectionately named Rudolph. That's right. Bobby Roode and Dolph Ziggler, now known as Rudolph. Rudolph. This thing is going to culminate at Night of Champions. Rick, does anybody care?
3: You know, the problem, is, it, nobody cares because this has all been thrown together here. And, of course, this is going back to, you know, Vince going back to the well. This is how he's going to try to, you know, to conjure up some heat between a new challenger and his champion. You take those two single stars, we put them in the tag division, put the belts on them. He magically thinks people are going to care because of the importance. When I mean, We don't even care about the tag division when you have legit tag teams as the focal point. So now, now we're supposed to care here for some reason, absolutely not buying it. What, what I think is terrible in all of this is I actually would get behind, give them time to build together. I could get behind the, the duo of Dolph Ziggler and Bobby Bruce.
2: Call them by their name.
3: Oh, Team Rudolph. I'm sorry.
2: That's right. Team Rudolph. We're going to make that thing stick. I like that name a lot. Pretty proud of that one. So that's going to wrap things the up. The Red Nose for... Tag Team. <laughs> the Red Nose Tag Team. You know my favorite Christmas song is Teddy the Red Nose Senator. Did you ever hear that one? It's a good one.
3: Uh, I, I'm going to have to go look it up.
2: So that's going to wrap things up for this week's show. Thanks for listening. And if you haven't yet, please hit that subscribe button. Then find Huckleberry and I at whichever other platform that we are at, whether it be hittingthemarks.com or hackerhameen.podbean.com. Uh, be sure that you check out Last Word on prowrestling.com. Our friend Jamie over there keeping you all up to date with all the news that is news from around the world of professional wrestling. Our friends Ryan K. Bowman and Michael Melkor over at thegorillaposition.com as they tell the stories of pro wrestling storytellers. Be sure that you visit our sponsors, voicesofmisery.podbean.com and ratsaladreview.podbean.com. You can't find me across any social media platforms because I don't want to talk to people anymore. I'm sick and tired of talking to people, Rick. I had some I had some guy ask me to sponsor him moving to the United States the other day. <laughs>
3: Yeah, well, I mean, it's no worse than all that money you sent to uh, to that prince over there in Saudi, right?
2: Well, well yeah, but he said I was going to get my own WWE show, and I got to book it. Huckleberry, how do the people find you?
3: Thursday nights, Jargo Live, right? <laughs> yeah,
2: you betcha. Emanating from Radia, Saudi Arabia.
3: Uh, well, you know, we're we're here. We're celebrating two years together. We're looking forward to to number three, this crazy adventure in the, in the world of pro wrestling, podcasting, and, and kind of what it spun off into for us. Uh, I Me mean, personally, you know, going from from talking with you on on these platforms to actually calling matches and all that, and and now I am taking maybe the, the ultimate leap, uh, one of the craziest things that I've ever done. I'm getting into the business of promoting professional wrestling. It looks like it's it's likely going to be a one-off or, you know, it might turn into a handful of times a year, but getting into uh, looking at promoting bar shows. So we're going to be 18 and up, a little risque, uh, but we have dubbed it Top Tag Wrestling. And our first show is going to uh, come from Danny B's Lounge in Harrison, Ohio. My hometown of Harrison, Ohio. That is happening Saturday, October 26, 2019. We're getting ready to drop tickets tomorrow. We are excited. We are We're lining up some tremendous talent. We've already got our main event set. It's going to be MLW. That's Major League Wrestling, Casey Lennox. She's going to be making her way from Orlando to the great state of OHIO. As a, a headline for us, she's going to be in that marquee main event, taking on one of the hottest up-and-coming stars in the independent scene. Her name is Jazlyn Navarro. It is going to be one hell of a match. We're going to fill out the card with four more spectacular performances. It's going to be what we're presenting this thing is. It's like we said, it's adult. It's an adult show. It's a bar show. It's eighteen and up. Not exactly ECW, but think a lot more of Shotgun Saturday night. We're going to have a lot of personality. It's going to be a rock star atmosphere, a lot of other special attractions. It's going to be a hell of a show. I encourage everyone, if you happen, if you're in the area, Please make it out there. Contact me for tickets. You can hit me up on social media at RVV. But even if you can't make it out, support us through social media. You can find a lot of the information at Facebook.com backslash Hot Tag Marketing. Of course, you can search Danny Bees to pick up some of the information. there. we're going to be sharing it across all the platforms that we run in. If it's the Hottie Media Discussion Group, the PW Hustle, the Guerrilla Position Discussion Group, Last Word on Wrestling Discussion Group, or as I said, you can just keep up with everything at the real RBV across all social media platforms, but it's very exciting. We're looking forward to it.
2: We'll talk to you this weekend on the Hitting the Marks Pro Wrestling Podcast, HittingTheMarks.com. For now, we're off like a prom dress. See ya! Point
1: your fingers. Enable me. Don't give up. you I'll be your back on Creepin' the blame on me I smell self-righteousness That's the bad guy BOOM! Oh. Shay, you'll be the blame on me. I smell self-righteousness. That's the bad guy. Boom. of hearing the same old mainstream rock and roll and metal bands, do you like the mainstream rock and roll and metal bands? Well guess what, Rat Salad Review talks about both, so you're in luck. Join hosts Wayne Noon, Greg Noggle and Uncle Saxon as they discuss the latest metal and hard rock albums as well as some trips down memory lane. Rat Salad Review also discusses the latest rock and roll and metal news, interviews, albums versus albums, contests and whatever else is on their mind course, with Uncle Saxon having the mic and a story to tell, you never know what's going to come out of his mouth. So check out RatsaladReview.com, search Rat Ratsalad Review on YouTube, Twitch, BitChute, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, and let's
0: get metal! Yes, it is I, Bin Hameen, commanding all of you to join the wrestling revolution, the underground of media, and follow our brothers at Voices of Misery on Twitter and subscribe to their podcast because they support hackerhameen.podbean.com and you will go support voicesofmisery.podbean.com because there is no more misery when you leave those FM Mark channels and you join the media underground of Voices of Misery and hackerhameen.podbean.com Rise and praise, Yolo! law <laughs>